118 days of no drinking alcohol. I'm so thirsty. And hard. Oh, baby. Actually, I feel pretty amazing. I eat a really healthy green smoothie almost every day. I switch to almost just completely green smoothies, not even putting in fruits because I'm hardcore, hardcore like that. And meditating every day as usual, going to the gym, had a good workout, had a good meditation. I had a great morning routine. Like my, my days are on fire. I'm on fire and I don't even need to drink to enjoy life. But I'm going to enjoy myself a cheeky little drink because I can, because I've earned it. I've earned myself the taste of sweet, sweet alcohol. Oh, yeah. Because I don't need it. I don't need anything. I just need me, myself, and mine to have a good time. Oh, yeah. As they say, in Soviet Russia, alcohol drinks you. Well, I don't need alcohol. I'm going to drink alcohol. It's not going to need me. I mean, it's not going to control me. You, you get what I'm saying by now. If I have a cheeky drink here and there, if I have a glass of champagne, some fine whiskey cocktail, whatever, if it's in my life, great. But if it's not, no big deal. My life is already awesome. And I'm already at 110% each and every day doing the things that I love, working out, getting good sleep, eating good, healthy food, and spending good time with good people, always learning, always pushing myself to become harder, better, faster, stronger, and harder, and smarter, and just making the most out of life. So yeah, those of you who have joined me for the last 30 days or a week or so be leading up to my birthday, we're, we're almost there. Yeah, <laughs> we're almost there. And I just want to say congratulations to those of you who've made it this far. You know who you are. And we're going to celebrate hard this Saturday, either in person or digitally over the interwebs. For today's episode, we have Victor Ung. And Victor is an emotional intelligence coach for Asian men. He's the host of the Human Up podcast, as well as a co-host for Badass Asian Dudes. He's based in Seattle, and I'm in Seoul, right? So the way we had to schedule this call, uh, it was 3 a.m. for me, and I was really, really tired and kind of out of it. So uh, please bear that in mind. Appreciate your understanding and patience, because sometimes I might be a little scatterbrained with the conversation. But it was totally worth it. So I hope you listen to most of it and get something out of it. In this episode, we talk about the struggles of growing up in Asian cultures where men are not taught to properly express and deal with their emotions in a healthy manner and how we can become better, more effective individuals by getting in touch with our emotions. This is sort of a general talk about emotional intelligence, just really touching the topic before I get deeper into it in future episodes. If this isn't already obvious to you, self-awareness is key to becoming the best version of oneself. Being in touch with your emotions, knowing how and why you feel what you feel, and how to deal with those emotions in a positive, productive manner is arguably one of the most important skill sets or mindsets you can have. You can heal past trauma. You can feel better about yourself as a human being. This applies to family, friendships, and business. I know as time goes on, I become better at controlling my emotions. More and more, I deal with people more openly, humbly, productively, positively, further unlocking my human potential instead of being locked down in my egoic past stories of who I am or what people are like or what I think they or the world should be. What I want for anyone listening to take away from this episode is that it's okay to admit we've had problems with our family or our upbringings. 
I want us to speak more frankly and openly so we're not scared of dealing with our past. We don't have to run away from ourselves. We don't have to run away from our pain anymore. I grew up in a dysfunctional household like so many other people, especially countless Asian families, especially Asian American families. If your story is anything like mine at all, I want you to know that I feel your pain very deeply and it's okay to seek forgiveness, to forgive others, and to heal and seek happiness within yourself. It's nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, it's an opportunity for us as individuals to transcend our traumatic past in order to become excellent beings who rise to the top. It's always a work in progress, especially when it comes to improving one's relationship with one's parents if you've had a traumatic relationship with them. I found a working model of forgiveness, acceptance, and love. It's not perfect. I'm not perfect, but I'm trying and I'm much better off for doing it. Every recall is a reframe. I want to reframe all my past negative experiences with family and my culture as necessary events for me to become a kinder, more compassionate, and empathetic, realer person. Seek mentors, people whose lives seem to be in a dope spot where you want to be. Go meet those people. Hang out with them and see if you can make your own version of a reality you want to live and experience. If you need help or guidance or you have any questions, well, you can always hit me up and I'll do my best to help you. I would love to do that. I would love to be that person for you if I can. By the way, I met Victor through the Badass Asian Dudes Facebook group. If you want to join this awesome community and connect with awesome Asian brothers around the world doing super cool stuff and living life on their own terms, please hit me up and I'll invite you. You can follow Victor on Instagram at underscore Victor Ung and enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found any value in it at all, especially to my Asian brothers out there, if you find this of any value at all, please share it with a friend and talk to them about it. And let me know what you think later on. Hit me up so that we can all become the gods of emotional intelligence made. Oh, yeah. You know what time it is. It's mime time. Oh, baby, good gravy. And we are live. What time is it? It's mime time. And for today, we have a very special guest. And I say that because all my guests are very special in my eyes. We have Victor Ung. Did I say that right? Ung. Yeah. Almost. Uh, Ung. Sorry. <laughs> all good. I should know that. Yeah. Um, Victor, how are you doing today? I am pretty good. I actually just had a little bit of coffee, so a little hopped up, but decent that's good yeah it's um you said it's 11 a.m over there earlier yeah yeah 11 a.m in seattle um i can't believe it's 3 a.m for you so that's right it's it's uh it's almost 3 11 here in seoul south korea and the thing is like you know sometimes life gets in the way scheduling gets in the way and you want to meet with someone or you want to get something done but no matter what, there's always going to be headwinds or obstacles in life that kind of get in the way of the things that you say you want to do. And so for me, this is kind of like uh, an opportunity for me to just test myself and to be like, can I pull off a, you know, an after midnight podcast interview like this? So uh, thank you for this opportunity, Victor. I really appreciate it. Would you mind telling us a bit about yourself, you know, your background, where you come from and all that good stuff? I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Um... 
first of all, I appreciate you challenging yourself, even with your sleep. That's that's hardcore right there. So <laughs> it's also kind of stupid. Sorry to interrupt. It's, it's it's not ideal. Like these days, I'm actually about getting seven to eight hours of full sleep. But for this, I made I made an occasion to to talk with you at this time. <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully you can get that sleep. Um, yeah. No. Thanks for having me. I think uh, we, you know. I definitely resonated a lot with your own story here uh, that you share in this podcast. And it's um, super cool. So for me, it's a lot of somewhat similar kind of a different path. But um, I, I think I grew up very like top heavy, I'd say, you know, very like logical, rational, practical person. Um, I was like, uh, you know, that first generation, uh, you know, American born kid with immigrant parents who really told, really valued like, uh, you know, material success and like, uh, you know, getting good grades, getting to a good college, save money for, you know, retirement, take care of your elders at the end. And I think those are great values that they instilled. Um, I think I took it just a little too far where I like only focused on that, like having to get the best grades and um, doing things uh, that that were more stable, more secure, more familiar, right? And kind of gave up a lot of the more softer side of of me, I guess the the more intangible kind of uh, skills, right? Uh, and and so getting into technology, I was uh, half, half a decade into my technology career as a product manager. Um, I also just love that work, but um, realized that there was so much in me that I wasn't able to sort of manage, especially a lot of the emotions that, that came up in that place. like. Um, dealing with the anger that I had with maybe other coworkers, maybe out of frustration or irritation with them. Maybe it was the, the, I don't know, maybe it was a frustration that I was feeling in terms of burnout, in terms of not feeling fulfilled at work, but not really knowing what to do with that. Um, Could I interject for a second? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm curious, is there a salient example or a particular story you have in mind when you know, you maybe you lashed out at a coworker or something. Yeah, exactly. So I was about to get to that. And, and uh, after all of that kind of almost bottled frustration, um, there was one of the, the clients that I was working with um, voiced, voiced their anger and kind of just, I think, I think overall it was a very stressful environment that we're all in, but the client kind of blew up on me and said, like, why aren't you, you know, uh, following the process and like, you know, you're, you're causing all the problems or whatever. Um, and, and so, yeah, I kind of responded or retaliated uh, in a way that ultimately let me kind of, uh, well, they really kind of put you back on the bench uh, in consulting where you know, if they kind of uh, roll you off the client project and now you're just kind of, you, you don't have work. Um, 
basically fired. So I was super like taken aback by that too, you know? And uh, that totally like blindsided me. Like I remember going to breakfast with a friend the, the, the day after and just casually another day at work. And then I got a call from the manager. It's like, yeah, uh, the client doesn't want you to come in anymore. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you know? And so that was one of those examples where I was like, okay, there, I could be blaming, I could find all the excuses for like why maybe it was their fault or they blew up or whatever. And, but I, but I was more so curious on like how I could have responded better in that situation too. And it was this lack of just being able to, um, you know, be more aware of even the emotions that I was feeling and know how to be more assertive, but also productive in how to communicate that, right? Uh, to not let it get in the way of, of, of work or of relationships. Um, and so anyway, I, I, that was a couple of years ago. And since then, did a lot of this inner work to realize that the the emotional intelligence about us is like kind of at the core of us as human beings. And I saw that lack thereof also made me realize how much I struggled in like being assertive with girls, you know, like in my relationships, um, developing deeper rela uh, relationships with them and with also friends and with, you know, my passion projects, like feeling um, really connected to something, connected to work. And uh, yeah, so that kind of led me on this whole path to now learn everything I can and um, yeah, just learn everything I can about it and uh, helping other people really slow down and connect with themselves, kind of um, what is it that they're really feeling and how can we use that for the better? How can we use that to create more deeper lives. How old were you when you had this sort of traumatic work experience? Um, it's, uh, it's interesting to me. So it was something that happened at work. You lived most of your life kind of following this Asian American model. And then it, it, it seemed to me like this was the catalyst or this was a, a turning point in your life where so you, you know, you said you got fired or the equivalent and then it made it, it, it was painful, but at the time it, sparked you to you know start this journey how old were you at the time uh around 27 yeah i'm 37 okay so in in the course of three years how far have do you feel like you've made on this uh how much progress do you feel like you've made on this journey yeah it i've i i've definitely made it quite far but i also know and i've realized that i have so much longer to go you know like um it, the interesting thing about this work is once you kind of develop this awareness about it it's like almost in a way opening a can of worms you're like oh my gosh there's so much work i have to do um but i know i have come a long way since then uh for sure so um yeah yes so um i didn't mention it i didn't mention it earlier but for the audience, Victor Ong is all about emotional intelligence. And he's also a big proponent of Asian men 
seeking emotional intelligence. And I want to ask Victor, what uh, is emotional intelligence to you? If you could describe it for the audience. Yeah. So I'd say emotional intelligence. Yeah, everybody has different definitions of it. Um, uh, a lot of people might think of it as, you know, being able to be empathetic, be able to relate to relate to people. And that's a really big part of it. Uh, I like to I like to say that it's being able to act or yeah, being able to act productively in spite of the negative emotions that you feel. Um, and so that can get, uh, you know, that, that can apply in so many ways, right? So being able to, um, you know, bounce back from the fears that you might have or the distress or the anxiety that you might be feeling in, in whatever situation. Um, just as a work example, maybe like the, the stress of, you know, overwhelming amounts of information or the, uh, the changing deadlines or, you know, so kind of being able to be adaptable to that. Um, and then also just being able to really act in spite of that fear. So, you know, for me in entrepreneurship, right, there's so much that goes in there of fear of being judged, fear of uh, failing, fear of, um, you know, being called out or being criticized or, you know, lots of these emotions can be limiting. And so emotional intelligence is really being able to be become aware of those feelings and then and then knowing how to sort of regulate it or manage it so that it doesn't really get in the way of what you do, of um, how you behave. And, um, and so really being able to act in, in spite of those negative emotions. Okay. <clears throat> I think that sounds great. And so recently, what's something that you found either in your work life or your personal relationship or your family relationship? What's something that over the years you thought, oh, you know what? I reacted this way to my mom or my dad or my friend. And it's because I put this time to put work into myself. Is there an example you could share of maybe some kind of recent realization? Yeah, kind of like a, a, a benefit from having done this work now of what I've seen. Exactly. Yes. What are the practical implications or benefits of being emotionally intelligent for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Man, yeah, it's kind of uh, a lot. I, I don't know what to <laughs> pick. But um, I'd say, let's see. I, I'd say it's uh, with with one of my really good friends that I've um, developed a, a really, like just a really like deeper relationship with um, when when we're actually able to like talk about the real shit, you know what I mean? Like, like, kind of like the the fact that our lives are I don't know. We we talk about lots of different things, and and I'm kind of really scattered right now, so I apologize. But uh, it's fine, bro. It's, yeah, it's that coffee. It's just like 
Woo! <laughs> but um, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna use a different example. Uh, with um, with my dating life, I'd say it's being able to, you know, be a lot more assertive and 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 straightforward and confident with what I express, with what I want, with um, you know, with with anything that happens in the relationship or you know um so so recently it's it's being able to be more assertive with that like confident with all right like this is the type of relationship that i want this is um this is this is what i want in my life this is what i want to do moving forward and and kind of letting go of you know trying to be perfect or trying to please uh please everyone especially in dating i always found myself to be like how could how can i be liked you know what i mean like how can i like do all the 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 things to impress or or whatever and um and it was a lot of like losing myself in that you know, I, I I wasn't really able to be um, be myself, really. Um, I'm wondering, um, are you an only child? Uh, no, I am actually the oldest of three three boys. Oh, you're the oldest. I'm I'm the youngest of three boys. So for me, I think the way that's shaped me growing up is that because I was the in Korean, we say magne, which means like the youngest one. Like I'm the baby brother. I'm the little baby brother. I got all this attention growing up and I got all this leniency, you know, like maybe my parents would punish my older brothers who are much older. Maybe they would be much more stringent on them for, you know, not doing their chores or for the grades or whatever, but they were so much more lenient for me. Like, oh, my, oh, our little baby mime, you know, is he's so cute, right? But they'd be very harsh to my older brothers. Like, like, you can't do that. Why didn't you do that? But for me, like my brothers would literally, after, you know, they finished class at high school, they would have to go work with my dad um, in, the, uh, in construction, you know, like working on siding or windows or roofing tiles for homes. But like, I, I would just be staying home and playing video games because I was a lot younger. I was in elementary school. They would be like in high school or college. So for me, the way I think I grew up is I grew up seeking attention and I, because of all the attention that was given to me. So I think I'm just like naturally an attention seeker, which I don't think, uh, or like, you know, being an attention whore, right? Like that's seen as a bad thing, but I don't think that's necessarily a negative trait to, you know, be prone to seeking attention. It, it's about the place where you come from. And also I think uh, coming from attention seeking is also like, I've I've been a big people pleaser like my whole life. And I think it also stems from, my parents fighting each other when I was like, since I was a, a little baby, right? I, I feel like this traumatic background, like refrigerator hum of, of like bad emotion or negative emotion from my childhood, from like when my mom and my dad were yelling at each other or, you know, my, my dad maybe threw something at my mom or even hit her. And my mom was just like, I'm leaving. I'm never coming back. And as a kid, as a baby, even though I don't have the words for it, even though I don't have like all this language faculties developed, I know primarily that I can't live or I feel as though I can't live without either parents. I mean, I need both to survive. 
And as a kid, I can see both sides. I'm impartial. I need both mom and dad. But mom and dad, they, in this moment, they hate each other. They're throwing stuff at each other. And so for me, I'm just like, mom, dad, can't we all get along? I think one of my first primal childhood fears is like my mom and dad being in a big fight and then me, and then forcing me. They're both looking at me. I have to look like to the left and I look to the right. And then my mom and dad like, pick me or I won't love you anymore. <laughs> and and um, I feel like a lot of people go through something similar. And I think because of that, I think because of that, I've become a big people pleaser. I want to please both mom and dad. And so I, and so, so like the problem with that is that maybe, you know, people might see me as two-faced or that people might see me as always playing to all the sides at once. Or, or they might question my loyalty. But really, I'm just a very empathetic person who can see the sides of everything. And I, and, you know, I could extrapolate that. Like, we could all say that we're all, all humanity. Like, we're all one big family. And I love mom and dad. I don't want us to fight. So can't we all just get along? Um, but anyways, I, what you said really resonated with me. So I just wanted to share that. You know, it's... Yeah. It's, um, yeah, no, I really appreciate you sharing that too. It, it, I completely resonate with that. My my parents and grandparents bicker all the time, um, and they're they're my parents are now divorced, but uh, because of that, because of just all of that miscommunication that happens, and they literally needed to pull me in to be like, who's right, who's wrong, like you know, and uh, how are you supposed to do that as a kid? you know, pick between parents. And so it's, it's really unfair. <laughs> totally. Exactly. It's fair. Like exactly. I didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. Like this is just the, the life and the family and the cultural situation we were born into, man. Like what is yeah. this world? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that. And, um, and, and, and I think that is a big, you know, kind of result that happens is like, people pleasing and, and avoiding conflict, trying to trying to mediate so much. Um I I I kind of like personality tests. Um say what you will about them, but like they they do have pretty cool like awareness exercises really. Um and one of them is that I I do find myself as being being that like harmonizer, right? Or do you have you do you know the Enneagram at all? Uh yeah, and I I think I've taken the Myers Briggs test, and like I'm like ENFP or um, INTJ, depending on the mood. But it's been a while. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I I don't know actually. I don't have them all memorized or anything. I just kind of look at my own. But <laughs> um, I know I'm a people pleaser, and I know yeah. I'm a harmonizer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty cool that we have that commonality because I I think. Um, Anyway, so that really explains a lot, right? And and I think what happens is maybe we lean too far into that and we don't then, you know, become more assertive with ourselves, with standing our ground, with uh, really, really going after what we truly want and being okay with that, being okay with being selfish and, and, and wanting to, um, you know, do things that, that will really build us up and fulfill us right um and so so that's that's uh that's actually one thing and and i appreciate bringing up the parents too um because i think at one point i i finally did stand my ground 
you know, and I was like, mom, dad, if you literally can't communicate with each other right now, like, get a divorce. And it was such a, it was such a hard thing for me to even say, like, I, I said this all in like a temper tantrum, right? I said, I said, it was like, literally like stomping my ground and be like, just lit. like, it was pretty bad. Um, but I think that was a really big awareness thing for my parents too. Like, maybe you're right. Maybe this, maybe this doesn't, maybe this isn't supposed to work, you know? And, um, uh, I, I think I think we're all better for it. Really, you know, like this was when my younger brothers were also in the house, and um, it 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 just it just wouldn't it wasn't a good environment for us, you know, to just hear all the the fighting all the time. So, so yeah, so I kind of finally stood my ground and and really like um, really really called it for what it is and um i think that i'm kind of kind of seeing that transition into the, your next question when we're talking about asian parents too like um it's it's now something that we're we're all better for and that you know for me to um be able to have like separate conversations with with each of them and really being able to like listen uh i think is is one of those things that as a first generation maybe asian american son can be hard to really do you know like it it requires a lot of patience and a lot of like emotional labor to to actually hear them out and and i think that's kind of one positive thing that has come come from that yeah i mean that that stuff isn't easy uh i want to ask when you had this moment uh when you said mom and dad maybe you should just get a divorce did they listen to you what was their reaction at the time were they like oh maybe maybe victor's right yeah what yeah they, say? They, they um i think they were very surprised and they're like I don't even remember exact reaction, but it it was probably something like, "Wow, even our son is really like saying that we should not be together," kind of thing, you know. Um, would Would you be able to, if you don't mind sharing, can I ask what the what do you think the main conflict or point of friction was between your parents? Yeah. I, I think at the core of it really is the miscommunication. They literally, they were just not on the same page with each other. And so all the different things they actually fought about were so trivial, like just doesn't, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but it was really them battling and, and, and just expressing themselves or, or uh, understanding each other. They just, you know, weren't, really compatible in that way um my my dad was kind of a you know very um you know he he assimilated pretty quickly into america he really 
loved America. He had uh, Caucasian godparents. Um, he was pretty like entrepreneurial and kind of really loved that American dream. My mom came from a little more of a traditional side of things. They were, um, her family came from farmers, um, you know, uh, and, and, and there was, so, so money came up a lot, right? Because just whole different money mindset really, or, or like ways to kind of view money or, or have a perspective of money and also manage it. Um, and then, and uh, yeah, so it was really at the core of it. I think it's also, as I'm learning more about this as well, it, it's, um, it might've been a difference between like a growth mindset and, uh, and a scarcity mindset as well, you know, where um, if without allowing the the other to really want to take risks to want to like um you know just continue growing it, it can it's it's staggering right it's like yeah anyway so so that I, th I think there's that tension um of just not really fully supporting each other i see and do, um, for me uh, my my parents my parents never divorced, but my father passed away back in 2016. And although they didn't divorce, sometimes I wonder if maybe that would have been the better choice for my parents because there would be these periods where my mom would run away. This is more than a handful of times in like in my life where since I was a kid, she would be away for I don't know it could have been the, as short as a week two months to maybe even a, a year or two. And so I always resented my mother for doing that. But later on, as, as I grew up to be an adult and I, I like pieced together of like how my dad treated my mom and the way he was, if not physically violent. I mean, I remember him hitting my mom like when I was a kid. I do remember seeing that. But then like, you know, middle school onwards, like I never saw him hit her physically again. But of course, there were like vicious fights and very, you know, emotional arguments. So I can understand why my mom would want to run away at times from my dad because living with him was just too difficult. I, I, can, I can appreciate that more now. And sometimes I wonder if my dad was just born in a better situation, like born with education, he didn't even get to go to middle school. He was just... Uh, you know, I, I think, I feel like I'm the same person that my dad is fundamentally, you know, like I have his blood. It's just that I was lucky enough to be born in a better situation. Do you ever feel like that with your parents? Like, like is, it, isn't that a weird question? Yeah. Yeah. No, like how things could be different. Right. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I definitely feel a lot of, privilege even for for where I am given all of that you know all that's happened can you can you actually maybe ask your question one more time right oh do, do you ever do you ever think like oh in another situation uh, you know maybe they didn't need to divorce you know if if there if there was you know maybe in a different uh like background or if, or if it wasn't 
Do you think there was any one particular cultural factor or something that made them divorce? Mm. Yeah, I guess I haven't really thought about that. I, I think... Um... I mean, and maybe that's not like a proper question. You know, maybe that's just, that's not a proper way to reframe it. But I just, you know, it's just the thought just popped no, into my mind. No, for sure, for sure. It is interesting because I feel like it, it you know, maybe in an alternate universe, what, what could life be like, you know? Um, and, and I, and I feel that, <laughs> uh, I guess I'm biased for the, the path that it, it did take, you know, like, um, I kind of appreciate how it went, went down, but, um, because, because at the same time, like, if I think if they, if they did stay together, I, I, I don't know if it would have been for the better you know like it really was this trajectory that i saw that would have um just not allowed either of us to be happy or all any of us in the family to be happy in it and i see well (laughs) well, do you speak with both your parents um are you on speaking terms like can i ask what your relationship is like has it improved since they've separated yes yeah 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 so i do talk with them um both and and uh you know my dad's in nevada right now um it'd be kind of weird if you listen to this episode actually but (laughs) (laughs) uh but uh he's in nevada right now and so we we do talk on the phone quite often maybe maybe like once a quarter or a little bit more than that if anything and i actually did talk to him a couple days ago for Father's Day and um it it's like uh it, it it's definitely improved since then, right? Where they don't have to stress out about just all the arguing that they were doing, you know, and, and they can actually focus on their life and really look in and anyway, so I did I am developing deeper relationships with both both of them and i think it's still a work in progress but um well yeah that's great and i think it's fine and it's it's totally cool to admit that it's a work in progress because i i think um i also you know you really think about it you know where this is kind of like unexplored terrain like in a video game you know you're playing like age of empires or starcraft Mm -hmm. or whatever and you're sending out units you're sending out scouts into the and this is actually yeah it's actually for like you know, the Asian American community, you know, us, us uh, communities of, you know, like our subculture, our Asian diaspora subculture growing up in America or the West, you know, we, this is the first time in our, in our like culture, in our diaspora's respective diaspora's histories, right? That we're kind of coming to this point of higher consciousness, being able to reflect on our parents' lives and their parents' lives and just kind of work out like, well, why did we grow up that way? And where did this yeah. come from? Where did this pain come from? Why, why do I turn out? Why did I turn out this way? How did I turn out this way? And so, you know, no one tells you what the benchmark is for to have a positive relationship with your Asian parents who grew up in a different culture, who have a different gender. No one gives you a benchmark, right? And so, for me growing up, you know, I see other families, I see other of my friends' families 
and I see the relationships that they have with their parents. And I could also appreciate that, you know, my white fam, my white friends' families or my black friends' families, you know, they had issues of their own as well. And they were different in different gradients. But, you know, everyone goes through a rough time. But no one, but me, especially growing up, like when I was the only Asian kid with the only Asian family in the neighborhood and throughout like North Carolina and Kansas and into Rhode Island, uh, where I grew up, like it also it was also very like challenging because I felt like oh like I'm the only Asian kid who has to deal with Asian parents in my neighborhood. It's one thing if you like you're you grow up with other Korean Americans, say in NYC or LA, because of course there's so many Koreans there. But if like you're the only Korean or the only Asian person in Overland Park, Kansas, around mm-hmm. for the most part, it's kind of hard to relate to other people. You feel very lonely. You feel very isolated. So I want to tell anyone listening to this, like. You know, like the relationship you have with your parents and, you know, the struggles that you may have, like it's, it's okay to do it. It's okay to be experiencing those things as painful as it may be. Like, um, don't worry. Like we all grew up very lonely and like feeling misunderstood, you know? So I think this is a great opportunity for us to kind of like be the first sages, you know, be the first veterans and the first, you know, so we can like impart the wisdom onto the younger generation, our younger brothers and sisters of um, Asian cultures all over the world. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I really appreciate what you're doing with uh, your podcast, Human Up. You know, I just want to say, like, I think, like, you know, our voices using the power of the internet, right, in the 21st century, like, this is so such exciting stuff because when you and I were kids, right, 56K modems, like, we didn't have this. Right. You know, we, did, we couldn't, like, listen to, like, older Asian bros who right. went through some hard times and could hear their wisdom and their stories. You know, if you were lucky, you like actually knew someone like in your church or school, an older Asian brother who like, hey, man, like I went through some stuff too. And this is what I think, you know, if you were lucky, maybe you had some mentors like that in person. But now you now like me, mime, 14, 13, 15 year old mime, uh, if he was, if if there's some 15 year old version of me right now. Listen, he can listen to this. Whereas when I was actually 15, I, there was no podcast like this. Yeah. There was no badass Asian dudes. There was no human up. But now, and there, there was no mime time. But look, we're part of this amazing movement where we can, we can grow and we can, you know, help foster understanding, right? And, and I think it's such a beautiful thing. Like when I really think about it, like it blows my mind. Like I want to oh, cry I, just thinking about it. I know. Man, I again appreciate you bringing that up because I I I'm like getting goosebumps about that too. The fact that like the internet, this the time that we're in, you know, it's not just for porn. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or like you know, dancing girls on TikTok or something. You know, <laughs> um, uh, totally. And and I think. Um, it's it is interesting that I found myself to gravitate towards that, you know, as I like dove into podcasts and and videos and books that um, that so many people are 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 in, like passing down, um, but from the Asian side is still very new, you know, like the um, you know the personal development industry as a as a whole is very white as, as with any industry. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so like hearing other Asian voices, uh, especially breaking that stigma of being able to like, 
you know, admit to or embrace the the struggles that we have, the pains that we have, and being able to express that. Like I never saw my dad cry, you know. I never saw my uncles, you know, express any of these like quote unquote weaker emotions, right? That that they were able to feel comfortable, almost. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. I guess stepping down. Right. Like maybe they viewed it as a ladder. They're like they didn't want to like step down, especially when it comes to, you know, um, um, age and respect for the elder, you know. Right. And it's a sign of weakness. Exactly. Exactly. Supposedly. Like, supposedly. Right. And, and maybe that came from the culture. Maybe that came from their own generations um, or their, their uh, parents or grandparents and and it is really cool, like you said, that now we have these voices um, that we can, you know, communicate to to anyone around the world is willing to listen. Like, super mind blowing for sure. Um, and coming from the technology industry, that that's what also excites me. Like, I am definitely a tech technology optimist. Um, you know, uh, I very much. I'm excited for AI and for like all this cutting edge stuff. And, and it, but it comes down to being able to use it correctly as humans, you know, and, and um, it comes down to making sure that we are, are mindful and also intentional with the technology that we do develop. And, um, but also from a consumer standpoint with the technology, like how we use that technology, you know? Um, so that's another big kind of part of this emotional intelligence that I like to communicate is like, um, you know, if we can connect deeper to ourselves and kind of the, the why and our intentions behind things, like how our emotions drive our behavior, um, you know, that could really help us be able to use technology for the better to actually like improve ourselves to kind of um live more deeper meaningful fulfilling lives so yeah and, and in a way it kind of makes sense to me like i mean we're asian we like using computers and we like using the internet and technology right so it, it makes sense for us to uh for a certain of us individuals to you know gravitate towards digital media right online yeah. media and and also because there's so much of us, there's so many of us, I think, out there more than we realize of just like, you know, introspective Asian dudes who had like a rough upbringing and like no one to talk to about it. So then eventually like they, they go through a deep period of uh, introspection. Yeah. And I, I think uh, there's this particular flavor of Asian Americans who like because of this, uh, you know, this um, identity crisis or the, the experiences that that life puts us through this this Asian American filter experience, there's a certain uh, subset of us that become very introspective as a result of it, as a result of it, and therefore very emotionally intelligent. And so, in a way, like because of, I went through all that crap, I went through you know the struggles with my parents fighting with each other, with my brothers, and uh, growing up in a very dysfunctional household with lots of you know low negative vibration energy. I am. Because that was so painful for me, I wanted to know, even since I was a kid, I was like, 
Why is this happening? Like, why are my parents fighting over stupid reasons, stupid trivial reasons? I don't want to live like this. Like, we we shouldn't live like this. Like, as I think we all know as kids, like when our parents are fighting, you know, over like trivial matters, we all, I think, I think it makes sense for us to all feel deep down inside, like, this doesn't really make sense. Like, is this natural? Is this what normal is supposed to be like? Yeah. I mean, it, the, the funny, the, the sad is we get desensitized to the point that, yeah, it does become normal. But I don't think that's how it should, should be. That's how I yeah. thought even when I was a kid. So like, I tried to talk to my parents. I tried to like, but I couldn't speak Korean. So I tried in my best, like, in my, in my best English, you know, to, to communicate to them in their broken English. Um, but it was so it was so frustrating, right? Because the gap, the 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 wall was too thick, and and so I really wanted to like focus on that, and it made me very introspective, and it made me like, why does my mom and dad act like they? And then later on, it's like, well, why do I react that way? Mm-hmm. And it's become it's made me a much more empathetic person. It's made me much more compassionate, and because of you know the different things, not necessarily like. A, the cultural thing of you know my growing up with Korean parents, but also just moving around a lot, right? Which can happen to any kid. Um, I had to move from one place to another, and and uh, I always had to make new friends since I was kids. So you know, moving is a very traumatic experience for for you know a kid, right? Who's like in elementary yeah. school. You have all your friends. You're used to one part your life yeah. being in this one geographical area region. You move to another place and then like, you know, you, I cried and I, I fought with that. Like, mom, dad, like, I don't, I don't belong in Raleigh, North Carolina, Charlotte. That's our real home. Why are we here? I hate this place. I want to go back. And then I live in Raleigh for a few years and I make friends. I'm like, oh, this place is great. I never want to leave. And it's like, all right, we're going to move to Overland Park, Kansas. I'm like, what? No, we're not moving. Like I was in disbelief. Right. Um, and then we moved to Kansas. It's like, wow, Kansas sucks. Kansas is stupid. I hate this place. I hate uh, every moment I'm here. I resent it, you know. And then, and then, like after a year of going through that, uh, of living there, like, you know what? I actually have some friends. And you know, there's like, there's Edward Park. He's another Korean dude who lives like not too far from me. And like, you know, like I actually have some friends now, even though like I was a res- like uh, 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 an angry little kid who didn't want to listen in class and whatever. And then it's like, oh, okay. Like, I just as soon as I was getting used to living there for at the end of fifth grade, it's like, oh, mom, now we got to move to uh, uh, New England. We have to move to Rhode Island. I'm like, I'm like, what? You know. So, so what I realized from like these kinds of experiences that were painful for me is that what they did for me is whenever I went to a new location, I had the realization that whoever I may meet and whoever I may befriend may be only there for a short time. Like I might leave the state and I might lose them or never see them again. So actually, I should be, instead of shying away from the world, instead of resenting the world, instead of like, you know, turning my back uh, on people or like being angry at people or resenting people for being there when I'm, when I feel like for, for resenting other people that I'm there, you know, it's not their fault. Instead of doing that, I should open up. Instead, I should connect. And so that's how I have this ability to, wherever I go in the world, I can just make friends on the spot. Um, but that, and it's a beautiful thing and it's changed my life and it's, it's made me the most amazing friendships and it's yeah. led to the most amazing conversations like this one with you. And it's, it's you know, it's like, I mean, how, how priceless is that? The ability to just make friends wherever you go, but just by connecting with people 
like instantly. Yeah. Well, that had, I had to suffer. I had, as a kid, I had to go through the pain of moving, right? And then dealing with my parents not understanding me and me trying my best to understand my parents, um, even when they didn't want to understand me, right? And then the pain of them still not reciprocating that, right? I had to experience all these things so that I could become the person who I am today. You know, I want to share this with people. Like, it's okay. Like, and it's a cli- it's cliche BS, but like everything happens for a reason, you know? I'm, I'm going to take a break. <laughs> that, that was, that was, I was very much listening. And, and I think, um, I think, I think it's, it's really being able to look at those, those pains really, you know, I think it can be so scary for so much, so many of us, and it can be uncomfortable. It can be unfamiliar. It could be, you know, almost depressing or like too heavy, you know, and, and it's easy for us to avoid that or like push it off for later or, or maybe drink a bunch or take some prescription pills or (laughs) look up porn or, you know, go like do anything to, to, you know, suppress that or not really look at it. Right. And, um, and so, and so like, if we can, you know, really instead question that, like you said, like challenge it, like, why is this happening or or where is this coming from or, or what context is this, you know, or what triggers are, are creating this, you know, and it can, it can be really powerful. You know, when we can challenge that and look at those blind spots. Um, so I know I'm still doing it. <laughs> I know I have many blind spots in it, and uh, it's it's. But already, just challenging that I think is is that word that I like to use here is, um, and challenging ourselves. Uh, there, yeah, there's right, so much more because... potential in that. Yeah. Right, because there aren't a lot of people who who've come before us, right? So we're yeah. we're the we're the pioneers, and so we have to kind of discover and like yeah. define our boundaries and like kind of set like kind of um, envision and realize like our criteria for like what is a healthy family life, anyways, right? Or or like what what if I if I raise kids like how do I make how do I raise them in a positive in a in a much better loving right. uh, way than say my parents did for me. Um, and, no, I, and uh, yeah, yes. What do you want to say? Oh no, it, or, did you want to finish? Yes. Oh yeah. And, well, I mean, no, no disrespect to our Asian parents or to my own yeah. parents. Um, yeah. and, and like, I also kind of want to get into perhaps like, you know, what is like a positive working like mental framework for dealing with your Asian parents, uh, especially if they've been abusive, right, in any sort of way, or especially if they're just like I don't know, just jerks, right? Like what's, um, you know, depending on the situation, right? Everyone's different, but, you know, I want to foster more of this kind of discussion. Like what's a positive way to talk to your mom and yeah. how do you kind of reach out to her even when she's being stuck in her own ways? Mm-hmm. You know, just, that's just an example, right? And yeah. it's also, it's also tricky for us to talk about this because being Asian, right? We, we don't, it's not like socially, it's not culturally acceptable for us to talk smack about our parents. Exactly. But I feel like there needs to be a spectrum, you know, there needs to be a, a community. There needs to be people out there who are voiced like, yo, our Asian parents sucked, right? Like they were just awful human beings. And a lot of it, I think, is this Confucian BS, right? There needs to be people who can say this stuff, mm-hmm. I think. 
Um, and I think there's also people who say like, you know what, our parents did the best that they can. And there's so many beautiful things about them that we should admire, like our parents' generation. And so I want to kind of like affirm like the emotional energies of all these things, because I think yeah. through all this noise, we can find something, find the truth that resonates with us so that we can live practical day-to-day relationships that are healthy with our parents. You know, and, and, and of course, sometimes it's just like for your own personal health or like well-being, um, you might not want to talk with your mom, right? You might not want to see your mom. You know, but, but aside from that, I think there are ways, positive ways that this can, this can be like a real spiritual practice for us as individuals. Yes. Man, that's totally, uh, that's powerful. <laughs> I, I think, um, yeah, how do you interact with your parents, right? Um, and it really is dependent on, like, obviously, I don't know you, whoever is listening to this, right? I don't know what circumstances or exactly what your situation was like or what your parents were like or what that history was. And, and I think, um, so it really is going to be very dependent, but I think it really comes down to, to, to being able to listen, you know, um, it does require almost an investment of like an emotional energy or emotional labor, I'd say. Um, and I know, again, you know, it could be different for everybody. Maybe you have been doing that and you still don't necessarily get the return that you're looking um, from your parents or that reciprocation. And maybe that is then the question you have to ask yourself is, you know, is it better to limit contact then? Is it better to, you know, um, just be cordial, but not necessarily, you know, uh, become like maybe intertwine your lives too much, right? Sometimes there is a, a breaking off point that, again, will also allow you to flourish if you can find your own family, find your own friends, find your own support. Um, I don't know. It, these are all hard conversations and it's going to be different for everybody. So I actually like talked to another, um, um, an Asian Canadian mom on my podcast, uh, How to Deal with Asian Parents. Um, and, you know, there, it, it really, I think it, it sums up to, um, really understanding yourself, um, from, from the start, you know, really understanding what are, what are the emotions that you're actually experiencing, first of all, you know? And and what's the ec- extra step from that? Is it is it anger? But like, what is what is that anger? Is it frustration? Is it irritation? Is it maybe just a difference in moral values? Is it is it something that they're not, um, you know, acknowledging? You know, so there's all these other deeper questions to ask, and I think it starts from that and knowing that maybe you can't change people. You know, maybe the parents aren't going to change, but that, you know, you can use this as a point of reflection for yourself and, and maybe open up the space that potentially can create a conversation, um, but also releasing yourself from the expectation that it, that it will, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's great. And, you know, you, you can't change other people, but you can change yourself. You can lead a horse to water, but blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's true. It's right. And, and so I think, that that's also a, a very good like spiritual psychological discipline 
I think for, yeah. for me, myself, like over the years dealing with my mom, because there was a period of years, like after a certain incident with my parents, you know, and the thing is like, I'm, I'm mostly open or like, uh, I'm at a point where like, I'm pretty comfortable sharing these stories and just being frank with people, people who I've just met or hardly know, you know, yeah. even just you, right. This is like our first right. personal one-on-one uh, chat. And so, um, because like, I'm not, I'm not, af- I'm, I've come to a point, this took time, but I'm not afraid of like what other people are going to think of me because if they listen to me, I know they think they will, they'll know by hearing the sound of my voice that I've thought about these things in, a, in an intelligent way, right. As best as I could. So, you know, when I had like a falling out with my parents a few years ago, uh, well, a few years before my dad passed away, like I, I swore to myself that I wouldn't talk to my mom again. And then as time went on, like I went through my own like spiritual journey and then um, different things happened in my life that culminated in my mom appearing at a, at a cafe in the neighborhood that I live in here in Seoul. Like she, she was in America, she was living in America, but then I found out she was in Seoul. And then the next day she's at this cafe that like I frequent. Just just serendipitously? Yeah, just, yeah, serendipitously. I mean, I think, I think she found out that I was going to that cafe, but, but it was still a very serendipitous thing. And anyways, like from that point on where like, I could have just like ran away because I I was shocked. Like when I saw her, like I couldn't believe her. Like I was just like, And I didn't know to, if I had to scream or cry because like I was very upset with her. Mm-hmm. But I, my, my young, my a bro of mine was there, and he just said, "Mine, this is you were talking to me about this yesterday about like your relationship with your mom. You know, when we are having right. drinks, like, dude, this is the opportunity for you to like connect and forgive, and to mm-hmm. this will make you. Better. I know it's hard, mine, but like, don't turn away right now. That's basically the best. Basically, what happened, Eugene? If you're listening to this, shout out to my bro Eugene in L.A. But anyway, my brother. Um, yeah. So. Since then, I've decided, oh, like I can be working on forgiveness. It's not like a one-time thing, you know, but it's just like a continual process of contacting my mom when I feel, com- when I feel comfortable enough and asking her questions about my past like, and like talking to her, like, mom, like when you did this, it really made me angry. And the beauty of it is like, I can do that now better because I speak Korean now as an adult mm-hmm. and I can speak Korean, Korean, which is pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I, I love that. It's different I think- for everybody. Right. It is different for everybody. And, and I think, you know, again, what I pull from that is forgiveness, you know, just to, forgiveness is huge. Yeah. Right. Just to echo that. Cause I, it, it maybe that it feels like it's the last thing you want to do, but it, um, but it's more so even for yourself to forgive, you know, for your own, it's not to, it's not going to be like, who's, who's right or wrong or like, you know, it's not like you'll be, losing points or whatever you know if you forgive and it's more just a i don't know i guess i kind of sense it as like an energy thing too where you're releasing that thing that you're holding on to even for yourself right um so forgiveness is huge and um, i'm glad that you were able to do that what was what was that like after then uh it i mean this deserves its own episode but it's just Oh, uh, since then, like it, it was, um, that was just a couple of years ago, but it was Im- immensely positive. It was immensely positive, And I'm so glad that I listened to not just that young, not just that bro, but another bro. Um, shout out to Andrew. And 
and like they because they both told me like at different times in the same like like one one of these guys i met up with um and he was like my like the the reason why you have these issues with like dating women is because of your relationship with your mom and i know because we're both like korean american bros and like we we we're we've gone through the same thing and you need to like you you need to find a way to forgive your mom because the relationship you have with your, with your mom is the relationship you're going to have with women. It sets like your emotional expectations of women. And, and it's like, well, my mom didn't teach me Korean and she spoiled me. And it's like, so like you're always, but then like, but your parents gave you life. You know, if it's like, if you had to choose, like it's either a value of one or zero. Like he didn't say this, but the, the idea is like, you didn't, you didn't have a choice. Like you could have been born into this family and as a Korean and as a Korean American, or you could have just not existed. He's, he totally didn't say this, but it was something, the idea is like, you know, like this is how all Korean people are, right? A lot of, a lot of Korean people are kind of like set in their ways like this. Are you going to change all of Korea? Like life is hard, you know, like we're like, it's not like people are trying to be jerks or whatever. Like you don't need to take it so personally, you know, at least they, they brought us to America and that we could have some taste of the American dream and yada, yada, yada. That guy told me this. And then um, the, the, like the following night or the same, no, actually the, the same day that at nighttime, I met up with another Korean American bro and we were having drinks and I was saying like, Hey man, like, like, sorry, like I'm not in my usual mood because like I'm going through stuff with like my parents and my, my mom and like, I don't know what to do. And, and he said, Oh bro, I understand, man. Cause me and my dad, like we don't talk anymore, blah, 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 blah. You know? And so, and then the next day I saw my mom with right. that same bro. You know, it, it was very auspicious and uncanny. And then the weeks and the months and the years that followed, I've had, I've had fights with my mom. I've, 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 um, you know, that I've, I've gotten upset with her, but, and I, I'm in speaking terms with her now, you know, and like it was, it was her birthday just yesterday. Happy birthday, mom. I love you. I can say that now and actually mean it. But like before I saw her, I couldn't do that. I couldn't mm-hmm. say because just the hate and the, the resentment, the bitterness, the anger was just so real. It's like, why couldn't you do this? But I realized like that doesn't help me, yeah. right? And, it, and my, what my bros, what my Korean American bros told me is even if just for you, just think of it selfishly for you, Mime. Just think about the person you want to be and like what this hatred or this anger is going to do to you if right. you let it affect you and the relationships you'll have with other women, you know, that, that you know, it, with, if you want to have any romantic or any intimacy with other women, like this thing with your mom is going to seep, in, seep into it. So, um, so yeah, but so basically like, and, and actually, and funny enough, like I, I have, I have a wonderful girlfriend now and we have a really good relationship and I, think that probably has something to do with the with me like trying to forgive and connect more with my mom yeah because they're both korean women (laughs) (laughs) i don't know (laughs) man wow i am gonna want everyone to be listening to this episode this (laughs) that's that's some oh that's a big compliment thank you bro yeah no there's some knowledge bombs there you know and and i think um it's what I wanted to say out of that is is that it's really important to have that support network around you to 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 challenge that to have that awareness to question things to um push you towards the the discomfort the hard things you know the fact that your brothers are able to 
you know, to do that, right? Um, brothers from another mother, right? Uh, <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, another and, Korean mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and so it's really important to to do that. And and I also think it's, you know, to that aspect. Um, sometimes the change that you want to make, whether that is within someone else or you know. Uh, or or in the world or in your work or whatever, like sometimes the best thing is actually to to address it in in other ways. You know, I kind of like to think of it this analogy of you know when you're trying to dig a hole, if you're trying to dig a deep hole, you don't dig just straight down. You know, that's not as effective unless you have a drill or something. But in order to dig, you have to kind of dig around it, right, to get even deeper and deeper. And and sometimes then if we're trying to like address or like change our parents or whatever, like we want to try to do it almost directly or like, you know, but, but sometimes it can be, you can kind of take a, a more rounded approach and, and maybe that is taking it or, or um, uh, kind of looking at yourself as well, you know, more of a 360 picture. So Anyway, that's kind of what yeah, no, I thought that, about. That's, that's great. Yeah. And actually like, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I, sometimes I think, man, I should launch like a digital product or something about, you know, like how to deal with your Asian parents in a positive, healthy manner. Right. Like that's, that's not just a blog post, but like a video series. Like when yeah. your mom says this, does it make you angry like this? And does it bring up your, your childhood like this? Yeah. And does it make you resent your Asian heritage? Well, this is what you should do. Or like, or why don't you think about it this way? But like there's so many things we we can talk about, and I I would actually do want to share like the the because I like what you said yeah digging around the hole and that's the thing it's it's not like parent Asian like depending on the Asian parent right they might be stuck in their ways so if you go directly like hard on them um, then like you'll meet resistance yeah so if you try to, that's like if you try to hit their fire with your fire then it's like there might not be change there will be resistance but then if you Go at it with water in subtler ways around it by be building watching, trust. By <laughs> yes, be watching, my friends. <laughs> exactly. Um, then, then there are ways I think that are more effective than that. Yeah. But we and I'd like to get into that some other time. But I want to move into like a couple of questions because I think we're over our time. But I want to yeah. ask you directly: um, How can we strive as Asian males, for Asian males and males in general, how can we strive to become stronger, decisive, more assertive, while also being compassionate, empathetic, sensitive, and kind males? Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate that question. Um, I think, I think first of all, that it might be kind of knowing that maybe there doesn't have to be that separation of you know, strength with something like compassion, something like empathy, you know, um, it's, it's I, I think of those as, you know, the masculine or feminine energies where maybe we kind of, as a man, you know, you want to be this masculine figure. Um, and that might be in, in a form of this strength, this, this fire, this force, forcefulness kind of, thing and and if there are any other softer features that that is going to 
you know, weaken that or that there's going to be like a chink in the armor kind of thing, you know, um, that will just, yeah, that will just like take us down. And, and I think the strength really does come from that softer source from, to begin with, you know, it, I think it's, it's developing that almost inner core within us so that if people do end up somehow penetrating the armor or getting past that barrier that you your strength from from a core foundation right and so it's interesting that it's kind of that that question is you know almost in a way and, and not that like you were doing this or anything but like you know when we differentiate strength and uh, decisiveness assertiveness from the softer like compassion empathy and kindness it um like they don't have to be mutually exclusive you know Um, and so i think if if there is this desire to be more assertive too it um it does come from that place of all right what what are the emotions like how can i sit with that feeling how can i um you know embrace that discomfort that comes comes from challenging myself you know Uh, right what would you say to to young men i mean this is a question but i still want to ask in this way what would you say to young men asian or otherwise who are finding a hard time feeling like they fit in or getting in touch with their emotions or connecting with family and people around them like what would you tell your 15 year old self or yeah. me if I was 15 year old mine again. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say it's it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to feel that. It's okay to to almost admit that not all of us are perfect that um, you know we're going to feel the lows that we're going to feel fears or anxiety in in many different situations um and so i'd say it's you know the first step to um to any type of growth is that awareness right to really connect with that emotion um and and also know that you don't have to do it by yourself either you know, I think there is a certain point where you can build up your own foundation from the start. Um, but then it's surrounding yourself with the, you know, the brothers or the family or the even the other women or friends, just mentors, coaches, therapists, like surrounding yourself with people who will challenge you, who will, you know, allow you and give you space to you know, work through your thoughts or beliefs or, or whatnot. Um, and that allow you to, to sit with those emotions. And, and those are rare people too, you know, um, not everyone is going to have that emotional capacity, but if you can find that within others around you, like just surrounding yourself with the people who will provide that support. Yeah, that is, that's an awesome answer, bro. For, I would, like to reiterate myself 
yeah, awareness, getting in touch with yourself, connecting first and foremost with yourself, like understanding who you are, self-awareness, right? Know thyself, Socrates, right? And having that awareness of yourself, your your body, your emotions, and why you feel and behave in certain ways, right? That's like a lifelong journey. And then second is the community. And within that is uh, within that community are mentors. So you really, really want to seek mentors. So yeah, for seek self-awareness and seek others who are sages, people who have been on the path before you. And what I would tell my 15-year-old self is, mime, you out there, 15-year-old self listening to me from the future, uh, reach out and talk to me. You know, I, it's like reach out and talk to us, talk to the people in Badass Asian Dudes, join the community. Um, reach, reach out to other communities of, of, of men, young men and women or established men and women who are on positive paths in life, who are established, who have, mm-hmm. who have you, know, um, you know, been through some rough times but are making the most out of life. Seek those people and, and just ask them for guidance and see, you know, maybe not everyone has time for that, but I, I want to extend this to all my audience members and to whoever's listening. Like you're going through a rough time and you don't feel like you have anyone to talk to, like, please message me, right? Like I'm on the internet at Mime Time on Instagram, mime at mimetime.com. Like I say this every episode, you know, people can give me feedback, but it's like you're going through a rough time. Like this is what I wanted when I was a kid. If I was 10 or 15 years old and I could just reach out to someone through the ether to, to help who could maybe like listen to me, you know, like wouldn't that be something? So that's what I want to do here right now. Right. You know, it's like, it's a, it's a call to salvation. It's like if you accept mime time into your uh, heart as your yeah. Lord and Savior right now, like, bro, I'm going to help you out. <laughs> no, I appreciate you opening that up too. You know, um, yeah, it, 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 there are people who don't bite is what I'll say to that. You know, I th- if, for me, I think maybe that 15-year-old self is like, oh, if I did reach out, like, I'm going to be very skeptical. What if exactly? Yeah. What if like I'm a weirdo? <laughs> what right. if what if mime is actually like a serial killer? It's like psycho, you know. Oh man. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I think I think yeah. There are people. There are good people out there, and and not to say that we're going to be like the angels either, right? But um, but that there are people who are going to, you know, provide that support and, um, yeah, definitely reach out to mine, reach out to me. Um, you know, I, I think there's, I, I very much appreciate this space because I know what it was like to not have it too, you know? So, um, yeah, thanks for thanks for this opportunity and space. Yeah, thank you so much, Victor. And I just want to say, like, I do, I love your podcast, man, because I I, I thought, like, especially with your conversation with Sabo Shen when I first was like, man, like, I wish I had this when I was fifteen, you know. Yeah. But thank yeah. God now that people who are fifteen, I don't know why I keep saying fifteen years old. Maybe because that was <laughs> a traumatic time in life. But yeah, you know, because or maybe that's like when you can kind of start thinking about these things yeah. um, in a deeper level when you when you're like adolescence and your brain starts to form a bit more. Is man, I wish I had this when I was fifteen. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I have this with Bibi? Well, thank God that now there are fifteen-year-old Asian bros who can like do more than just fap to pour. They can change their lives. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, um, yeah, but dude, like 
thank you so much for what you do with your Human Up podcast and uh, what you're doing for males, Asian or otherwise, um, around the world through your audience, with your audience. Yeah, thanks for uh, and uh, I just want to encourage you to keep doing that, and as well as your own personal journey. And I myself also like don't have everything figured out. I'm also figuring out how to get more in touch with my emotions. Um, what what is uh, your next big project you'd like to share, and what's a way for people to get a hold of you or to follow your stuff? Yeah, yeah. No, thank you again for having me. I think this is such a great conversation. We definitely went over. <laughs> so. Um... Uh, definitely you can find me at, uh, Victor on Instagram at underscore Victor on, uh, Victor UNG. Uh, you can find me also through the podcast at human up. Um, that's available on whatever streaming platforms. Um, and then what a project that I'm working on right now, I'm actually doing a couple of things where I, we didn't even really get to talk about this, but the, the cannabis has actually really been a big part of my journey here and in this level of self-awareness so i i'm working on kind of a lot of workshops and a lot of um a lot of like cannabis education and um also combining that with mindfulness and introspection really help facilitate that type of looking into ourselves and so that's a lot of what i'm working on and then um also creating a uh a something called an emotional gym where I I think this type of education, this type of awareness is not provided to us in the tra- traditional routes, like in our schooling system. You know, I'm actually, there are people that I've talked to a couple of teachers and whatnot, and I'm super glad that they're more, they're incorporating more of this social and emotional learning in their curriculum. Um, so I'm super excited for the next generation of, of people, but if you if there if you don't have that space um th- that's what i want to create here in this membership kind of program is like all the the best resources that has helped me so far and and then really you know bring in other experts and coaches and therapists to um really hold space for for people um so you can find that at my website, victorong.com as well. And that's where you can find a lot of the other stuff that I'm working on too. Victor, thanks so much for your time today, bro. I really appreciate it. Um, at, the, at the crack of 11 a.m. Uh, <laughs> no, I appreciate you. Well. It's like 4.30 now. Man. Yeah, that's right. And it was, it was totally worth it. It was totally worth yes. it. Yeah. And uh, now I'm going to get some very good sleep. So thank you, Mime Timers. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Mime Time with our very special guest, Victor Ong. Thank you so much, bro. Talk to you soon, okay? Thank you.